you know, that's why you're seeing the field of UX exploding is it's because it is that combination of data analytics, customer need, and then delivering a creative solution. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. We have a very special episode in store for you today. We're going to look at transformation and challenging the status quo from a different perspective. I am joined today by Lou Lindsay. Lou is a professor of practice at Indiana University School of Informatics and Computing in the Department of Human-Centered Computing. But before we get into that, we're going to start with Lou's background. He spent 36 years in design and innovation leadership in large corporations, including IBM, RCA, GE Healthcare, and GE Major Appliances. In fact, Lou and I first met when we were both working for RCA. Welcome to the show, Lou. Glad to be here, Jeff, and uh, delighted to, to, to join the, uh, the podcast. Well, why don't we start there with your with your background? Tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, your journey through industrial design. Yes, so I uh, I graduated from the University of Cincinnati's uh, School of Design, Architecture, and Art, and uh, in 1980, and, and uh, right out of school joined IBM on their on their design staff. And uh, I, I found that working in a corporate environment as a designer had its pluses and minuses. Obviously, the you know the the, the pluses are when you move the needle on an organization like an IBM, you know, big things can happen. Of course, yeah. the minuses are, it takes a while to move <laughs> for that needle to move. <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy the experience there. And it really um, taught me what it takes to, to work in a, you know, organizationally, work in a collaborative environment uh, in order to, to make things happen, as well as kind of reach out and expand your own um, knowledge base through, you know, additional assignments and, and, you know, continue to learn, you know, even on the job. So that was a great experience. But as an industrial designer, um, I was fortunate in that I was able to take the, the, the skills and the, and the tools that I was, you know, was taught at, at Cincinnati and go beyond just that traditional definition of the industrial designer, sort of the, the person that gave, uh, gives a product its, its form and its character and uh, dig deeper into the business aspects of design. Um, and that really led me into um, my next phase of my career, which was with, with RCA. And uh, again, I was, time, I was timing my career to kind of follow the information age. And guess what? Design played a pretty important role in the, yeah. in the dawn of digital technology, as you well know, in, in our experience and, and how that transformed everything from video to music to book publishing uh, movies, uh, print uh, newspapers, etc., and using that my my design skills in that world um, allowed me to stretch and grow, and that's really I think more about the role of the designer and what the design brings to the table and what I call a creative problem solving techniques. They can be applied to any you know any area of business. Uh, when I was um, uh, you know at Thompson, um, we were able to grow the team to take on not just uh, you know, product usability, but brand experience, as well as growing new business models, you know, through the design organization. You know, today, these kind of 
you know, creative problem-solving processes kind of fall into this umbrella of design thinking, which you probably right, right. come across that in your business. Um, but that's really the foundation of you know my my um, my training and and uh, became really uh, sort of the jet fuel that propelled propelled my career. So I, I I like to tell people all the time that right now is the the most exciting time to be involved in technology. So so looking back on on thirty six years. What did the industry look like and what things were important when you started your career versus uh, someone entering that career today? Yeah, you know, if you go back, um, you know, our, our biggest challenges as, as, as designers was to, you know, was to make a, pro- a product or a service useful. In other words, you know, capture the complexities and, you know, put a, put a wrapper on the complexity to make the, the, the fundamental product and service offer more useful. You know, you, you only have to go back to the, the days of the VCR and the Flash 12, right, <laughs> where nobody could figure out how to set the clock on the VCR and then set the VCR to program, you know, MASH on uh, Saturday night or whatever. Right. Uh, but that was that was the state of the art was, you know, just, just make it useful. And then as we, as we began to obtain that technology, then it became not just useful, but also make it usable, make it, make it more relevant to me and not just, you know, perform, perform this very specific task. So, you know, useful became usable. And today, you know, we, we live in a world where it's not just useful and usable, but it has to be delightful. You know, it has to bring, you know, a certain additional benefit in the interaction, the experience we have with that particular product or service. And that's the world we live in today. It's it's a highly competitive world, as you know. It's a world that is, you know, constantly evolving. And yesterday's answer won't meet tomorrow's requirements. So you need got to continue to, to work on that notion making that product delightful to, you know, outflank your competitors. So how do you keep up? How do you, how do you keep up with that pace of change? Well, you know, it's, it really is about, you know, who you surround yourself with and what, it, what is, you know, what are the, you know, the people you're surrounding yourself with thinking about it and working on it. And I think through that, you know, you begin to pick up ideas, thoughts, and common threads that you can then, you know, work on and apply in your daily work. I mean, you know, you, you've gone to a number of CESs. I've, I've done 26 some CESs. And you've seen a lot of change. Oh, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. But that's one perspective. You know, you can look at that industry perspective and then you can branch off into the underlying technologies that drive that industry. And, and by surrounding yourself and reaching out to adjacent industries or industries you're, you're deeply involved in, um, I think you stay current, you stay fresh and you stay competitive. So adjacent industries, do you have, do you have a, an example you can throw out of a, a design that you were able to bring to fruition by, by looking at an adjacent industry? Yeah. You know, uh, I'll go back to, um, you know, the early nineties when, um, RCA landed the, uh, the contract to deliver the, the set top decoder box for the direct TV system yeah. that we yeah. use today. Um, and that was a, there was a transformation going on, you know, again, going back to digitization of, of, of media, you know, we, we lived in a world at the time where 30 channels of video programming was, was pretty much the state of the art. You know, you, 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 you got your TV service through your local cable operator. What DirecTV allowed us to do was then multiply that offer by 10. Yeah. And we yeah. went from literally 30 channels to 300 channels. And the task that was facing my design team at the time was, well, how do you navigate through all this content? It's seven o'clock on Wednesday night. I want to sit down. I want to forget about the world and enjoy some video programming. Now I have to navigate through 300 channels. Wow. <laughs> um, we started, and this, this speaks to your question. We started by sending the team to Disney World ah. because I didn't want that team to be polluted by the technology perspective. 
I don't want them to think in terms of technology. I want them to think in terms of entertainment and what is a great experience. You know, when you walk into Disney, what, what is it? You know, how do they treat you as a customer in that entire journey? You know, so I literally had the team do their design research and then also do their design ideation down in Orlando, Florida, because I wanted them to focus on what was core to that solution, which is make it entertaining, make it accessible, make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. So when, uh, when you and I worked together at Thompson at, at RCA, uh, there were really two different groups, right? You had the, you had the R and D group and then you had the, the information technology group. Right. And a lot of our audience today would be on that other side, right? The information technology group. So what did you find the most effective way to get IT to buy in when you're trying to drive these innovative initiatives throughout the, the organization? Sure, sure. You know, it was really about getting IT involved from, from the, the very beginning. You know, I sat on the product development side and, and the business units, you know, my team. And I felt if we were in order for us to succeed and drive some of these new initiatives, we needed all the major stakeholders at the table up front. Um, a good example of that was uh, in 1999, I was asked to build out a new business incubator, a skunk works, if you will. And what I did is I surrounded myself with every skill center mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the organization, in that environment. And we had, a, we had a, you know, an IT team that once they understood what we were trying to do, where we're trying to go with the business, what are some of the initiatives, whether it be a, an acquisition or a technology investment to drive a new initiative, to have that team at the table made life so much easier. I mean, it made, it made a world of difference at the time. For example, we were looking at um, deploying a small, what we call test town of 300 households in the Carmel area to, to serve as a platform to, to try new concepts and new, new products and services. We could have done that without a strong IT team buy-in and you know drive through the whole process of becoming a registered bell operating company in Arbach at the time and get an ILEC set up you know here in Carmel that wouldn't have happened but have the team at the table they helped guide that whole discussion that whole direction so that we were able to launch that that test town effectively um, so it wasn't a question of us going to an organization hat in hand and saying we really need your help it was bringing them in early on you know describing what we're trying to do collectively and then going then everybody go back with their their, their skills and, and then drive that vision forward. So do you, do you see now with, um, call it the digital age, to use uh, somewhat of a buzzword, that R&D teams and IT teams are working more together, almost merging into one organization, kind of like you were doing back in 99? Yeah, I, let me put it in a in sort of different context, Jeff, because what I, you know, whether it was at GE Healthcare or GE Appliances or even go back to you know, my time at RCA, the world is evolving where new sources of innovation, you know, are, are emerging, right? The old days was, you know, a company would take a look at their, you know, their business, say, okay, let's put, you know, 2%, 5% of, you know, top yeah. line revenue and dedicate that to quote unquote R&D, you know, give it to the, to the guys and the gals in the, in the lab coats and don't ask too many questions, as Billy Byers, one of our RD guys, yep. you say, right? <laughs> Slide some pizza under the door and yeah. let's see what happens. In today's world, that, that, that model, while it's still a strong model for basic research and other aspects of, of R&D, and one I wouldn't dissuade anybody from, but there are other new models you know, emerging, right? Um, I'd mentioned the Skunk Works, this new business incubator. That's a model. These new open innovation platforms like the OT Lab here in Fishers, Indiana, or First Build down in Louisville, Kentucky as part of GE Appliances. So sources of innovation are 
multiplying. And the way those those innovation pipelines take hold, how you staff those, how you organize those, those, those pipelines are changing to where now you do have the design organization, the UX designer, the UI designer, the IT organization, R&D, all working, marketing, all working together in a more open and collaborative environment that is operating differently. It's not a long cycle kind of activity. It's a short cycle, quick, try it, find out what works, what doesn't work, and, and keep moving. So I kind of view it, your question slightly differently in that there are these new avenues of innovation, yeah. Yeah. and they're collaborative in nature, and they certainly, you know, the underlying platform you know, starts with IT. So, so we were having an interesting conversation before we actually came on the air today uh, about uh, marketing, IT. And so talk to me a little bit about creativity in IT, because it's not something that you hear much about these days. Yeah, you know, I, I always kind of bristle when I hear, you know, well, you know, I'm in IT and I'm not that creative. If you look at any one organization and, and quote unquote, you know, say creativity, when you think about the work that comes out of a you know, world-class IT organization, that's some damn creative work. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, when you think about, you know, solving a problem, you know, elegant code, you know, efficient use of resources in the you know, delivery of a, you know, of a product or service. That's creative, and I, you know, so I always, you know, kind of scratch my head when, well, I'm not that creative. Where it gets a little confusing is all creatives tend to jump to an answer too quickly, right? I got it, uh, Jeff. I know what you want, and yeah. I'm going to go deliver that. Yeah. yeah, and that I think that that approach then um, kind of muddies the water. And what I like to think, of, you know, what I like to do, how I kind of approach is, you no, know, step back, truly understand your customer needs, understand the need statements, design towards that, test it validate, you know, it's theater of design, right? It's design, test, evaluate, design. Yeah, and yeah. that I think is really, that's a, that design thinking, that, that creative problem solving process. That I think sometimes when it's lacking in an organization, then the organization becomes, you know, they, they're, they're considered that I'm not creative. Uh, you know, I just, you know, make the sausage, right? But I think that the fundamental principles behind, you know, solid product development in an IT organization are, that's all based on a creative, you know, creative thing. Yeah, I, re I remember uh, several years ago, I had the opportunity to lead both the IT department and the marketing department for an organization. And one of the first things I did was do a group disk assessment. And the uh, consultant had us uh, go to the corner of the room that represented uh, our highest characteristic, right? A DIS or C. And I think everybody was expecting the room to be split IT people on one side and, and marketing on the other. And it was incredibly balanced uh, between the four characteristics, which mm -hmm. I, I thought was, was fascinating. Uh, and, and it leads to that creativity. Exactly. You know, I think you were very fortunate to, to actually have those two organizations reporting into you because, you know, marketing is all about trying to identify that unmet need, you know, through their own you know, set of tools and processes and to be hardwired and directly wired into an IT organization that not just reacts, but participates in that discovery problem discovery process. That's a win. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a huge benefit. So if, if you had to get to the root a fundamental good design. What would you say that is? It gets back to that uh, that, that whole needs identification, that discovery process. Yeah. It, when, whenever you see a, a good design, whenever you see a design, whether it be a product, a service, an interaction, and you 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 left feeling like that delivered on its promise, and it was done in a way that really you know was a positive experience. 
you follow that product or service back and you'll find out that guess what they, you know, they really understood what the customer was looking for at the end of the day. Yeah. So if, if you were going to hire somebody today to, to fill the type of position that, that you've had throughout your, your career, what characteristics and skills would you be looking for to fill that role? Yeah. So, you know, once you get past the, the fundamental, you know, are they technically capable? Do they have the, you know, the skills to, you know, apply, you know, their, their technical knowledge to, to the, to the task. And believe me, that's getting easier and easier to determine that it's really, it's, it's how do they attack a problem? And do they really understand, you know, what it takes to think creatively, think critically to combine the, the data that they've gathered, analyze the data, and then translate that into, you know, meaningful outputs for their customer. I mean, to me, that's, the critical thing and you know that's what why you're seeing you know, you know the field of ux kind of exploding is it's because it is that combination of data analytics um, customer need and then delivering a creative solution so is there is there a question that i haven't asked you today lou about innovative design creative problem solving that that you think our audience uh, needs to hear i, I would suggest that and you're seeing more and more of these um, open innovation, maker spaces, whatever you want to call them, popping up across the country, right? Those are great idea incubators. And I would suggest, and, and you know, the cost of entry is so low. I mean, it's like a you know, gym membership, right? You know, you can kind of come and go into these environments. And what you'll find if you, if you walk into one of these environments is a great cross-fertilization of ideas, of skills, of people trying to figure things out sharing of ideas you know we we have this uh this iot lab as i mentioned before up here in fishers and um iu has a has a space one of the founding sponsors of the lab and last summer we did an independent study project uh, myself and a, a graduate student and walking up and down the hall you know over coffee lunch whatever and bouncing ideas between you know my student and some of the members of this, this iot lab was a phenomenal experience. I mean, it was a great bi-directional exchange of information. And so as I think about, you know, any organization, I would stress, take a look at your innovation model and make sure that you have more than one innovation model going in your organization, not just to rely on the tried and true, well, there, you know, see that building over there, see the floor of this, this building, that's our R&D department, but really think in more in more broad terms about how does collaboration, how does open innovation work? You know, I, my, my friends in the, in the legal profession hate when I say this, I said, you know, but, but speed beats control any day, right? I mean, the, the days when I'm going to patent something and wait for that patent to, to be issued, then I'm going to go take on the yeah, world. It'll be too You're late. You're going to get clobbered, right? Yeah. So, you know, these environments are really about speed and testing and trying out ideas and, and you know, in, in a new and fresh way. So I would, I would strongly take a look at, you know, how are you innovating today and how, you know, how well are you taking advantage of these, these emerging assets that in this, you know, in this era are readily available, relatively cheap and very, very promising in terms of productive output. So Lou, I, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. I know we're going to do another episode here shortly when we dig into uh, what you're doing for Indiana University today. But before we do that, I just want to point out a couple of things for our audience that really jumped out at me as you were talking. Uh, one of them, I, I love the iteration of useful, usable, delightful. Going from the useful, make it usable, make it delightful. I thought that was great. The other point was surrounding yourself with, with incredibly talented and smart people. I think sometimes as leaders, we tend to 
try to do it all. And I thought that was a great point. Uh, and the other point you made that I am really going to incorporate tomorrow, I think, I think this is going to be the, the best one yet, is next time we have a design project, we're going to Disney World, baby. I think that was spot on, <laughs> man. I, I like that idea. Especially this, this time of year. <laughs> Absolutely. For those uh, listening, we're looking out at about four or five inches of snow here in Indianapolis today. To our audience, thank you very, very much for listening. If you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Lou Lindsay. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.